0: Welcome to the weekend message from Mariners Church Mission Viejo campus. Whether you're listening across the street or across the globe, we hope you'll find encouragement for your daily life through this podcast. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Well, fun to be with you this morning. Uh, down from the mothership, I guess. Don't <laughs> they say? Uh, it's good to be. You, you know, you guys have a staff that loves you. I'm back with them, and they just. Um, they love you guys, so you're, you're blessed to have a great staff, a great church here. Uh, fun for me, I... Hi, Vivian. Hi. Um, I used to work with Vivian. Sorry. Uh, I used to work with Erie, too. I was the high school pastor. He was the college pastor. So anytime I could do anything that even resembles being connected with Erie, I love that. He's a great guy. I never thought I would preach in jeans and feel overdressed. So the blessing of, of Erie. And so I love that. And uh, I, I see that there's a splash zone here, so I apologize if any you know, I'll try to do my best as, as we get going. Hey, I'm going uh, to pray and then we'll get going this morning. God, just lift the morning up to you, Lord, as we look into your word, um, as you speak to our hearts, God. I just pray, Lord, that you'll give us one thing so we can, we can, uh, we can learn, we can grow, we can be more like you. Um, and so that is just our desire, God. We love you. And we pray this all in your name. Amen. Uh, uh, Third year in college, I was home for the summer and my buddy said, hey, do you want to do something fun? And I'm like, sure. That's, you know, I always like to to go for something fun. And so what he did is he said, um, I want to take you flexing. So do you guys know what a flexi is? Okay. No one knows what a flexi is. Uh, Flexi is, uh, it's a sled on wheels. So it's a sled, you know, how a sled like this, but it's on wheels. And so he I want to take you flexing. And so I go, cool, you know, that sounds kind of fun. I can, you know, ride on that thing. And so, but he didn't just want to take me flexing anywhere. What you what did when you went flexing was you, you, um, you went underground in the storm drains. Okay, so, and you put, yeah, great idea, huh? Okay, so you put flashlights on your flexi, you climb in the storm drains, and you ride down. Kids, don't ever try this. I know what your parents are thinking. <laughs> So you ride down underground, and the storm drains you know big round drains you 're kind of in there, so you enter at um, what we do is you entered at Fashion Island in Newport, and then you ride down to the coast highway so about a three hour th- i 'm sorry three mile journey seemed like a three hour journey so I climb in there and you know i 'm like you seems like exciting at first, and then you know you know thirty seconds into it it 's the what am I doing, this is crazy. I can certainly tell that he's out to torment me. My great motivation right now is get out, give me light, give me air, give me anything like that. But he had me like held hostage because I had nowhere to go, and I didn't know where to go. So we're riding, we're two minutes into it, and I'm ticked at him, I'm like, okay, had enough, got it, cool experience, you know, no one does this, you know, but he just kept me going. About five minutes into it, we're like, you hear the the most dreaded words you ever wanna hear, because we come to a fork in the road, and he goes, uh, I think it's this way, you know, things you don't want to hear underground. And he goes, he goes, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go this way. Uh, why don't you wait here? So, you know, and I've seen enough movies, you know, <laughs> it's always the guy that waits back while the other guy, you know, he's the one where the creature comes out from underground and gets. I got it. So I go, that is not going to happen. So I go, let me go first. So I'm going, and I'm thinking, the sooner I get going, the sooner I'm done, and I'm out of here. So I'm going down, and it's starting to pick up speed, and so I'm going kind of fast. It's actually, it actually was somewhat fun at the moment. And so I'm going, and I'm going, and I'm going, and all of a sudden, I hit a wall of water, and I'm underwater. And, uh, and I don't know if any of you guys have ever like contemplated ways to die. You know? <laughs> Two worst ways to die in my brain. One would be underwater in a cement tube, water, you know, underground. You know, you got it. So what I realized when I opened my mouth that it was salt water, and the bay was at high tide, and it started to, it was, it filled up the uh, the, the, the storm drain. So I climb out, I, I, and I and I, I lose my flexi; it's gone, and I didn't care anyway. And I uh, and, and I uh, and I like see light, and I climb a, I climb a, a ladder. And, uh, and I'm ticked at my buddy. I mean, I, I think it was like a ploy of this, but it wasn't. So I, I actually climb back down. And I start climbing back up the storm drain, because he's still up there. So I do what any good friend does, wanting to pay him back. I go, this is the way. No problem. Come on down. OK. And I climb up, and I watch him go and do the exact same thing that I did, and take much delight in it. We climb out, and we go. From the moment we started, we had two different ideas of what was fun. We had two different agendas that were going on. And what you realize, whether it's with a buddy doing something fun, when you have competing agendas, it doesn't work. When you have competing agendas, there's always conflict. This could be with a buddy. This could be in marriage. Last week I taped the Masters, all excited Thursday, to go home and watch it. My wife gets, you know, sits down Thursday night, and she's like, well, we're going to watch American Idol, aren't we? And I'm like, you know, so tension, <laughs> conflict competing agendas, happens with parenting. My wife sometimes will like sit me down and goes, she'll say things like, you know, we need to get on the same page, which always means I need to get on her page. (laughs) So, you know, never works. Competing agendas never work. Marriage, raising kids, at work, with friends. Same thing with God. You know, there's often times in our lives when we realize that we have competing agendas. When we realize that, you know, it's like, I want to live for me. I want to live for what I want. I want to do what I want, and then I know that God wants something for me. And God wants me to, to live a certain way. God wants me to go a certain way. And as you start to think about life, life can be a tug of war with God. It's a tug of war with God over competing agendas of what you want to happen. Today's Palm Sunday. Today we celebrate Palm Sunday where Jesus... Jesus rides into Jerusalem. He rides into Jerusalem. And we're going to see that there is just this sense of competing agendas everywhere that he goes. If you want to open your Bibles, we're in Mark um, chapter 11. We'll be there mostly, and we'll, we'll bop around actually a lot. And it's also on the screen. It says this in Mark 11, verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives... Jesus sent two of, two of his disciples, so they as Jesus and the disciples, saying to them, go to a village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why are you doing this, say, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here shortly. So Jesus is going to get his colt. Uh, colt. And um, so here's Jesus, he's going to go into Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is like, it's bustling at this moment. You know, it's Passover week, so there's like, there's three times as many Jewish people there ready to celebrate Passover. At the same time, uh, uh, historians say that, that the Romans brought in ten times more Roman guards because they were afraid of like an uprising or they wanted to squelch zealots and things like that. So there's a little bit of tension in the air. There's a lot of things going on. There, 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 there's excitement going on. Jesus rides in on a colt. Which which in Zechariah 9.9, he fulfills the prophecy of Jesus greatly. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey. On a colt. The foal of a donkey. So here you have Jesus riding in. And he's riding in on a donkey. People are excited. There's this large crowd. They're they're, They're anticipating the Messiah coming on the scene. Now, culturally, this this would be something that they, they would be used to. When the king would come in, they would line the streets. When a general would come in, they would line the streets. Now, as Jesus comes in, they're lining the streets, and they must have been somewhat, a little bit, like, conflicted. When the king comes in, he's riding a chariot. There's, like, maybe white stallions pulling him. Maybe there's, like, people dressed up, and it's very festive. When a general... Would, would come in. You, would, you could hear the clanking and the sound uh, of the stuff that they would wear, the armor. Or you might hear the, 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 the rumblings of the people coming in, the horses or, or multiple people. So you would have that sense. People must have been somewhat conflicted because Jesus, um, Jesus rides in on a donkey. Jesus rides in on this donkey. Yet still, people are worshiping him. People are, ex- people are excited People have, they're, they're taking their cloaks and they're laying them on the ground as this sense of worship as Jesus comes in. They're taking branches and they're waving them as a way to honor him. They're taking palm branches and, and they're waving him, which, is all, which, which was always a symbol of either an impending military battle or a celebration of a military battle. So Jesus comes in and there's just this sense of excitement. There's anticipation. Verse 9, it says this. Those who went ahead... And those who followed shouted, shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Now, Hosanna, which means save us. Hosanna, which means uh, rescue us. And so this great crowd is yelling, save us, save us, rescue us, rescue us. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. They're excited. They're welcoming the Messiah. And growing up, you would read this, and you'd think to yourself, wow, they got it. You know how you would think, man, people were excited. I mean, they were worshiping the Messiah. And then you're always conflicted because, like, days later, they're killing them. Like, what happened? I mean, what happened? Why the big turn? And the big turn was this, is that Jesus came in, and they wanted someone to save them save them from the Romans, save them from oppression, save them and give them a a new way, give them freedom. They wanted a battle. They wanted victory. And Jesus came in with a whole different agenda. You know, it's not by accident that Jesus walked in on Lamb Selection Day. Jesus comes on the scene the day today, Lamb Selection Day, where families would go and they would get their lamb. They would select the lamb that was going to be sacrificed for the family. Jesus comes in. On Lamb Selection Day, people are excited. People want to be saved, but they want to be saved from the Romans. Jesus comes in to save them from their sins. They didn't realize that the King of Kings was also the Lamb of God, was also the Lamb of God. And once they realized it, they ran from him, or even worse, they turned from him. They turned from him. And you think to yourself, how can you do that? Or we want to point a finger. I know I want to point a finger. But you, you, you can't point a finger because how many times have I done the same thing? How many times have I looked at God and said, God, I have an idea of how I want things to go and this is what I want? How many times can I look at God and I say, God, I'm glad you're here. Do this for me. Gimme, give gimme, give gimme, give do, 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 do. I have God, God is like this vending machine for me. God, okay, I'm glad that you're here because there's things that I want you to do. And so we realize in life that we have, these, we have these competing agendas. We have these competing agendas of do this for me. And life is this tug of war. Are we going to live for God's agenda? Or are we going to live for our agenda? Is life about what God wants? Or is life about what, what we want? And we realize in life, just whether, whether it's marriage or friendship or getting along with people, and the same thing with God, we realize that at some point, we have to lay down our agenda. At some point, we have to lay down our agenda, and we have to follow God's agenda. Jesus came in, in a different way. This last week, I preached in the chapel at Mariners, uh, and so there's a chapel that's up there in Irvine, and, uh, and as I'm preaching, I'm preaching, on, I'm preaching on dreaming, and learning to dream with God, and that God will come through for you, and I start to tell a story that I've been clipped. Sometimes I, I, I don't dream well with God because I feel like God disappoints, that God has a different agenda. And so, as an illustration, I I, um, I brought this out. And this is, for the last three years, I worked on a movie, which I was the executive producer on, called I Am. And we worked on it for three years, and it was exciting. It released probably six months ago. This is not a shameless plug. It's already runs course, so don't worry. And I... And I, and I was part of creating this. The executive... Pre, I mean, 20th Century Fox, this should be something that I'm excited about. This should be something that I... Like, yeah, I was a part of this. And you know, this was a low-budget movie. We made it for $400,000. We borrowed money. And all I wanted to do is do something that worked. And I've done enough things in my life that just didn't work. And so... we were chasing, and that's what I was all about. That's what I was dreaming about. We raised $500,000. And then a denomination within the church sued us. So a denomination within the church sued us because we had used the name Upper Room Multimedia. And we created the name Upper Room Multimedia because Jesus in the Upper Room, but because we had written scripts in an upper room on Babo Island. And we go, we'll just call it that. And another denomination within the church, a denomination, had the same name, and they sued us, and it cost us $200,000. This was a picture of another thing that I dreamed about, and God had let me down. And the reason I bring this out, the reason it's folded up, this sits on the bottom shelf in my office. And I'm telling that story, and a lady and a husband comes up to me after I, I tell that story. And they go just want to let you know, Jeff, two months ago we saw your movie in Hawaii. And, and they go, you know what? We, we gave up on God. We had given up on this church, Mariners Church. But a good portion of the movie was filmed in that chapel. And you know what they said? They go, we came back to God and the church because we just wanted to be in that chapel and worship. And it was that movie that God used to bring them back. And I got my eyes woken up of like what my agenda was all about. My agenda was about me, me, me. And it's always, not always, has a tendency at times to compete about what the agenda God wants from us. Life is a tug of war. Competing agendas. It's something that I deal with it. It's probably something that you deal with. It's a theme throughout the Bible. Even those closest to Jesus struggled with the agendas that they had for their life, and what Jesus would have for for them. Jesus was with his disciples. They're in Capernaum. They're in Capernaum, and it says this in Mark 9, verse 33. They came to Capernaum, Jesus and the disciples. When he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way, they argued about who was the greatest. In other words, they're thinking, hey, who do you think is better? You know, me or you? Now, this isn't about, hey, how great is Jesus, or how cool is Jesus, or look what Jesus is doing. Their agenda is solely, hey, which one of us, which one do you think he likes better? I think it's me? I bet he likes me better. How about, how about Jesus is having a conversation with Peter? And in Matthew 19 captures it, verse 27. Peter answers him, we've left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Competing agendas. Hey, you know what, Jesus? Remember the old drop the nets thing? Left the family business? You know, we, we gave up a lot to follow you. What, what's gonna, what do we get out of it? What's in it for us? A total theme throughout the Bible. Jesus and the disciples are on a roll. The disciples are excited. They're like, man, things are happening. We're going somewhere. Things are gonna, this, is, this thing is coming together. And all of a sudden, Jesus gets arrested. And they run for the hills. They're like, man, that wasn't part of our plan. That wasn't our agenda. I I mean, God, I mean, Jesus, I mean, I don't know what you have in mind, but that's not what we had in mind. And so they run. They ran just like the people on the side of the road in Jerusalem ran. Because the agenda started to get different from what they anticipated. And the disciples did not get it. They did not understand it until Jesus rose from the dead. And they saw him. And they realized in that, at that moment, you know what, if I'm going to follow Jesus, I need to let go of my agenda. If I'm going to follow Jesus, I need to let go of my agenda. And maybe you're sitting here this morning, and you're in a tug of war. Are you going to live for you? Are you going to live for God? Am I going to live for me? Am I going to live for God? Am I going to follow my way, or am I going to follow Jesus' way? Maybe it's how you operate your business. And you're thinking, am I going to operate with integrity? Am I going to do the right thing or am I going to cut corners like everybody else does? Maybe it's who you date. Am I going to date who I want to date? Man, he's got money. Man, he's fun. Man, she's cute. Or am I going to date who God wants me to date? Maybe it's how you spend a Friday night. I feel like cutting loose. I'm going I'm to follow the way that God wants me to live. Maybe you want to move in with him or move in with her. Because it makes it more convenient. Or it makes sense financially. And you think, man, I'm in a tug of war. My agenda, God's agenda. Maybe someone hurts you and you want to get him back. You want to pay him back. It's God's agenda or it's my agenda. We live our lives with this tug of war of which way we're going to go. The next day, Jesus, he starts walking and he makes his way to the temple. Jesus makes his way to the temple and it says, Mark 11... In verse 15, it says this, "...on reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts, and he began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of money changers and the benches of those selling doves, and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise to the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, "...it is not, writ- writ- it is not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all..." Let me re-say that. Is it not written, 'My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations..." But you have made it into a den of robbers. Jesus walks into Jerusalem. The subtext is competing agendas. Jesus walks into the temple. And competing agendas are front and center. This is the clash of what's going on, what Jesus wants, and what the people wanted. Jesus flips over tables. Jesus makes a scene. Jesus gets angry and upset. Typically for three reasons. First one is this, is there were money changers. And what would happen is someone would, someone would take their good money and, and they, would, they would buy an animal for sacrifice. And then they would make their way, sometimes taking a long journey, all the way to the temple. And they'd get to the temple and, and the money changers and people were there say, you know, that's such a nice animal. That's not good enough. That's not going to do. You're going to have to buy one of these. And so they would gouge them to buy another animal. Or sometimes people would go and they don't have an animal and they need to buy one for sacrifice. But their, their money wasn't the right money. They had to use temple money. So their exchange rate was a way to gouge the people. And Jesus is looking at this and saying, what the heck are you guys doing? This is not what I had in mind. Jesus also is upset because they, he said... He says this, he goes, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. What they had done is they had seg. There, there's a there's a there's a temple court where they'd stuck the Gentiles, like the non-Jews. And so the non-Jews were kind of in this little area. And that was where the hustle and the bustle and the selling and the craziness. And it was also they were kind of segmenting off these off to this place. And Jesus said, no, this place is for everyone. You know, they were banished kind of over there, and they couldn't go to this place where you came into the presence of God. And and so Jesus is saying, I came for everyone. Jesus is making a clear point. I did not just come for the Jews. I came for everybody. And then Jesus is flipping things upside down because he's saying this. The temple system is going to change. The way to be ushered into the presence of God, you no longer have to bring an animal sacrifice because Jesus is saying, I'm going to be the sin sacrifice. I am going to go to the cross. I am going to, 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 to die for you. And Jesus saying, the way the temple operates will no longer be the same because I am going to be the final sin sacrifice for you. Jesus looks at him and all that they're doing, and he's flipping things upside down. He's upset because what they were doing and what they wanted was the opposite of what he does, what he wanted, and what he was doing. And if you ever think to yourself, when you're doing, like, your own thing. Like, I wonder if God minds. I wonder if God really cares. We see here that Jesus takes this very seriously. And he flips it upside down. And he takes it seriously because Jesus is saying, I have a better way. He's going, I have a better way for you. And we buy into the trap that our way is a better way. We buy the lie that our way works. Think of the biggest train wrecks in your life. Think of the biggest train wrecks in your life. Typically. Always. It's when we go our own way. When we do our own thing. Jesus is going, I got a better way for you. Jesus is looking and he says, I have a way that works. Last week I counseled two guys. First guy comes to me and he's going, Jeff, I don't know what to do. I'm getting married in three weeks and I don't love her. And I'm having an affair with someone else. So I wanted to take him out back and kick his, rip, rip, you know, beat him up. You know, forget it. Okay. (laughs) Then I put my pastor hat back on. So the guy's an idiot. He's following Jesus, he thinks. Calls himself a Christian. He's looking at me and he goes, Jeff, I don't know what to do. And the answer was obvious, obviously. And then I go, "Where are you with with her and everything like that?" And he and he didn't know what to do. And then I go, "Where are you with God?" And he tells me the story. And I listen to his story and every part all through his life, his whole thing was he did whatever he wanted. He did whatever he wanted and God was someone that he, you know, he grabbed and used when he wanted to. And I'm looking at this guy and he's a mess. He's a total mess. I also counseled another guy who who called me over the phone. And he said he's a 26-year-old good-looking guy, owns his own business, great godly guy, calls me, he goes, Jeff, will you do me a favor? He goes, will you, will you hold me accountable for who I date? And then he says, and will you hold me accountable for having purity within that relationship? And there's like 30 women right now, like, give me that guy's number, right? <laughs> and I'm looking at this guy whose agenda is God, and, and he's in a tug of war, and don't get me wrong, you know what, I, I get it. When we want to do our thing, and God, I get it. It's not easy. But I'm looking at this guy, and he's alive. He's alive because he goes, I'm going to live for God's agenda. And I want to push my agenda aside. Because our agendas don't work. And all through our lives, we realize that. And we can see that in illustrations. And once again, we see that as a theme throughout the Bible. It doesn't work. Jesus is arrested. Remember, someone comes up to Peter and goes, you were with Jesus, right? And he denies him, denies him, denies him. And Peter's going, no, I wasn't with Jesus. And look what happens when he goes his own way. Then Peter remembered the word that that Jesus had spoken in Matthew 26. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Going his own way, it doesn't work. Judas gives Jesus up for 30 pieces of silver. You know, "Ah, I'll make a little money out of this. All of a sudden, Judas comes to the realization of this in Matthew 27. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. I've sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. Judas is like, What was I thinking? I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I went my own way. There's a centurion, and he's looking up at Jesus on the cross. And here's a centurion, and he probably was part of the mocking, might have even been part of putting Jesus up there, and he's sitting there, and he's standing there, and he's looking at Jesus, and and he's watching how Jesus is on the cross. And you know what the centurion ultimately says? In Matthew 27, he says, surely he was God. Centurion's looking at Jesus and going, I was wrong. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I went that way. And for Jesus, Judas and the centurion, it was probably too late. They'd blown it. Judas kills himself. Peter has this opportunity to get reconnected with, with Jesus. And you know this story. Jesus goes to the cross, rises from the dead, and then, and then it comes to, to Peter when he's out on a boat fishing. And it says this in Matthew 21, verse 7. They see that Jesus appears to them and they go, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him and jumped in the water. That's what happens when we choose our agenda and we go our own way. We realize it's a train wreck. We realize there's oftentimes it doesn't work. And typically at some moment, at some time, we make our way back. It's just a matter of when. It's just a matter of how long are we gonna wait that we make our way back to Jesus because Hosanna, because he saves. And you all have a story probably. I, I have a story. I was, born, I was born in a sports baseball family. I was born to be a baseball player and athlete, high school Orange County athlete a year. Went to UCLA, played baseball. First round pick of the New York Yankees. Signed so with the Yankees, and when I went to pro ball, I led baseball chapels. I did everything for God. I, I was like, God, I'm all about you. Three years into it, I tear my rotator cuff from my shoulder. I felt like God's agenda was not my agenda, and I did what the people in Jerusalem did. I turned on God. I ran from God. I, I banished him. And and I was angry at him and I was mad at him because what the heck do you want? And what I did is I ran to Seattle, Washington, and I lived there by myself, alone. And I lived there for a year, and I did two things while I was there. I worked all day as a waiter, and I numbed myself at night. I numbed myself at night. Until one night I am in the middle of Seattle, in the city, all by myself, not a friend, not anyone, and I'm literally lying in the gutter, just like I'm going to just lay in the gutter up all night. And at some point someone starts rifling through my pants into my wallet and I think I'm getting mugged but I didn't care. And then at at one moment I'm picked up and I'm dragged and I'm thrown into the back of a car. And I'm driven probably for about ten minutes and I'm pulled out of the car and I'm dragged and I'm thrown down on the ground and as I look up I'm on the front porch of my house. And I turn and look and I see a taxi cab driving away. Someone had saved me. I, I always say an angel. And I'm lying there, and I'm like, I'm a normal guy like you guys. I'm like you guys. And I'm looking at myself going, what has happened to me? What have I done? And I've done all this because God's agenda was not my agenda, and I turned on him, and I ran from And you're lying there, and you, go to, you think to yourself, at some point you go back. It's like, how far am I going to fall? And I did what only I knew to do. I ran back to God. I ran back to God because of Hosanna. Because Jesus saves. I ran back to God because Jesus heals. And in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of things not working, in the midst of our hurt, what do we know that Jesus heals? Jesus is in the temple. And he's flipping tables and everything like that. And then there's there's people that come up to him. In verse 14 it says, The blind and the lame came to him at the temple... And he healed them. Because that's what we do when we're broken and when we're hurting. And maybe you're here this morning. And maybe you've run from God because his agenda has not been your agenda. And maybe God this morning is saying to you, Hosanna, I save. Come to me. I heal. And we remember from Jesus two things. We remember that Jesus heals. We remember that Jesus has a better way. The people on the road in Jerusalem, they didn't get it. They wanted a savior to, to free them. They wanted someone to take them from the oppression of the Romans. And Jesus goes, no, I'm going to I'm, I'm I'm take you from your sin. I'm going to rescue you from your sin. I, Jesus looking at them and goes, guys, I know you want something. But he's going, I have something better for you. He goes in the temple and he flips it all upside down. Because Jesus goes, I know you think it's just for the Jews, you Jewish people, but I came for everybody. Jesus goes, I have a better way. And then, he, and then he, t- he looks at the temple and he goes, I, I know you guys love this temple. And the temple was beautiful. The temple was great. It was a great way to usher people into the presence of God. But Jesus goes, it-, it has run its course. He's saying, I am now going to go to the cross and I'm going to be that ultimate sacrifice. Jesus looks at him and he goes, I have a better way for you. If you will just trust me and trust my agenda. You know I have what's best for you. Jesus walks into Jerusalem and it was Hosanna. It was crown him king. It was crown him, crown him, crown him, crown him. He goes into the temple. He flips it upside down. And the disciples, they must have been somewhat kind of excited. Because the disciples wanted what the people wanted. They wanted Jesus to create this revolt and uprising and make something. They wanted all those things. And they're probably looking at Jesus doing all those things and going, Man, we've never seen him do this. Man, he's, he's got like another gear here. What's going on with Jesus? And they always knew he was the guy to make something happen. I mean, people listened to Jesus and they were captivated by him. I mean, he taught like nobody ever taught. Jesus was charismatic and people followed him. And he was the kind of guy that goes, this is the kind of guy that can do something. Jesus also was clearly from God. He did miracles. He did miracles. He did incredible things. So, the, so the, the disciples are looking at Jesus like, this guy could be the guy. He's, 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 he's doing some things. But they also had concerns. They also were like, you know, Jesus was never mad enough at the Romans. He's like, you know, if we're going to take care of the Romans, why aren't you ever mad at them? Or they looked at Jesus and they go, he doesn't seem very administrative. Or I don't see many fundraisers. Or like, you know, if we're going to take care of the Romans, where's the army? What's going to go? What's going to happen? And Jesus was always making the Jews mad. And they're like, quit making the Jews mad. We're going to need them. So all of a sudden, Jesus is in the temple, and things are happening. And he's flipping tables. And they're thinking, maybe something changed. But nothing changed. The only thing that changed was the hearts of the people. Because it was that at that moment, when it was decided, we're going to kill him. We're going to kill him. And it went from crown him, crown him, crown him, crown him, Hosanna, Hosanna, to turn your back on him, mock him, run from him, ridicule him, plot against him, crucify him, crucify him. And what does God do with people who do that? What does God do with people that turn their back on him? What does God do with people who put themselves in the center of the universe and and banish him to the side? What does God do with people who are so concerned about their own agenda and not concerned with his agenda? What does God do with them? He dies for them. He dies for them. That's what he did for them. That's what he does for us. To have the kind of king that's willing to die for the people says something about the king says something about this king and to think there's times in my life where i want to live by my agenda to think there's times in my life where i think i know better to think there's times in my life where i look at god and i go what the heck are you thinking i'm reminded of this and go nah he needs to be honored he needs to be glorified We read about him coming in Jerusalem. We love that. Jesus is being worshipped like he should be. He's being glorified like he should. How do we do it today? How do we do it? I want to close with this verse. John 15. Jesus says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withered. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. You want to glorify the Father? He says stay connected with him. Follow him. Live with him. Experience his blessing. We glorify the Father by the way we live our lives. Here's the question Where are you wrestling with God's agenda and your agenda? Where's an area in your life where you're going, I got to let go of my agenda? I got to let go of what I want because God knows better, because He deserves it. Where's an area in your life where you're living for God? And you are living for his agenda. How is it blessing you? Allow yourselves to feel the pleasure of God when you live for him. Because so many probably are. So as we continue to worship, I just invite you to allow God to continue to speak to you. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Mariners Church Mission Viejo Campus. For more information about Mariners, visit www.marinerschurch.org.